Hi, Speaking Queerly listeners. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about our new sports equity fund, which will provide scholarships to help young athletes pay for team fees, equipment, uniforms, and so much more. The sports equity fund will be launching in early 2024. So if you or someone you know is interested in applying for a scholarship, visit kycohio.org slash as dash a dash youth to get added to the mailing list to be one of the first to know when the program becomes available. Okay, let's get on with the episode. You can make these sports part of your entire life. Welcome back to Speaking Queerly. We're a podcast hosted by Kaleidoscope Youth Center, which is Ohio's largest and longest standing organization serving and supporting LGBTQIA plus youth and young adults. I'm Mallory, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the Civic Engagement and Advocacy Manager here at KYC. And I'm so excited. I know we talk a lot about sports on this podcast. It's just become kind of a running joke that every episode I'm going to somehow work swimming into it one way or another. And you're in luck if that's kind of your jam, because today we're talking all about sports. And I'm here with Dallas Aldridge. And I'll let you introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, so my name is Dallas Aldridge. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I was the executive director for the 2021 Gay Softball World Series in Columbus. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into all of that, like the Gay Softball World Series and everything and anything that falls under that umbrella, right? Because I know that there's a lot of other, um, you know, organizations involved with that as well. Um, but I want to get to know you a little bit more, too. So obviously you're here to talk about sports. Yes. Um, but what is the sport like? What are some of the ways that you were involved in athletics maybe when you were a young person? Uh, so, uh, wow, young. Um, very early on, you know, I played, you know, baseball, basketball, you know, a lot of the youth sports because I had an older brother and sister and they both played sports. So I kind of learned from them. Um, and then kind of through like my high school years, I really got away from it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and then I ended up going to college and, you know, working. And then, you know, it was like, oh, where did sports go? Uh, so later in life, I actually had friends that introduced me to softball in Columbus in 2004. Oh, wow. and completely fell in love with it again and then have been playing and organizing since that time. So it's, you know, I, I was very early on involved and then took a break and didn't really have it in my life and then found it again and fell in love with uh, sports again as a gay person at that point, not as, you know, a youth. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I So one thing that I've seen kind of on social media fairly recently is just, you know, a TikTok trend, if you will, where people are talking about how like being in your 20s is really all about rediscovering the things that made you happy when you were like 10, right? Yes. And, and I think to some extent, that's exactly as you described. You had these things that brought you joy as a kid and, you know, you get busy when you're in high school and college, you kind of think you're going to, you know, take this different track and reinvent yourself. But really at your core, you, you had these things that brought you joy. Is that correct? Exactly. You know, from, from the first day going out to a softball practice, I met a new group of friends um, who have really become lifelong friends with the sport. Um, and it was just outside of, you know, being an adult and, you know, a lot of things in, in gay queer life are focused around bars and nightlife. And this became something completely different. It was, you know, outdoors, it was being active, it was being involved. And it really just let me find some new people um, who really became my, more of my chosen family at that point. Yeah, no, I love that. And exactly to your point, I find that it's 
almost a little hard sometimes to make queer friends just because like exactly as you described so many of the environments where those friendships are expected to form do center around nightlife and going out and i know there's a lot of young people listening to this podcast who you know that's not a space that's accessible to them period just because of their age right right and so it's nice to know that there's some spaces centered around hobbies rather than just you know drinking that you know, can help you find queer friends. Yeah, and you know, it's really focused, you know, my attention, you know, I started playing in Columbus, but after that first year and softball was ending, you know, I was thinking, I don't want it to end yet this year. So I found my first tournament um, and we drove to Memphis, Tennessee to play in an October softball tournament, I think in 2005, mm -hmm. um, as a group, came in second place, had so much fun, but that's really where I discovered um, Naga, who was the North American Gay Amateur Athletic Alliance. That was my first introduction to a Naga city. Um, so that really opened up this whole other world of, oh, there's all these other cities that have these softball leagues. And, you know, I met new friends that live in, you know, all lots of other cities throughout the country um, that really, really opened up lots of doors and opportunities. Oh, that's cool. So talk to me a little bit more about Naga. So like, what are the Naga cities and, you know, how can somebody get involved in this? So um, Naga is the um, the national organization um, that has actually been around since 1978 wow. um, with softball. Um, so it's it's a it's a long, uh, enduring organization that's it's really changed over time. Um, I believe last year we hit 55 cities across the U.S. and Canada. Um, and Naga has actually gone through some changes um, in the past year. The name changed. So it's actually going to be International Pride Softball going forward. Um, and, and they felt like that was more inclusive and more, you know, telling the story about like what the organization is when, when it was started. The, the name now just doesn't fit what um, it actually is. So uh, Columbus joined Naga in 2008. Okay. So, you know, I, they, were, they were members in the mid 80s. Um, but it was hard to get teams to travel to the Gay Softball World Series, and that's a big part of what the organization is. Um, so Columbus left, and then we rejoined, um, and then shortly after, we bid to host our first Gay Softball World Series, which was in 2010 in Columbus. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, no so, way. so 2021 was really our, our third time. Um, we hosted in 2010, 2015, and 2021. Oh. So we were... Um, you know, I'll say the new kids on the block when, you know, when we came back in um, and we really hit the ground running um, and hosted our first, second and third. It became 11 years. It was really originally 10 years, uh, 2020 with COVID and everything going on um, was canceled. So each city moved one year. Um, but that's probably the that's the shortest period of time any city has ever hosted three times in a row. Wow. Yeah. So we were. We, we really put our foot out there and said, you know, we're really going to like step up and do this. And um, Columbus is the perfect city to host the Gay Softball World Series. And why is that? Um, so uh, Lou Berliner Sports Park, um, just south of downtown, uh, is the largest sports softball complex in the U.S. and maybe the world. Um, you know, I had no idea it was ranked that high. I mean, I drive by it all the time and yeah. I see the number of fields, but I had no idea that it was like that large comparatively. It, it is. You know, most places you might get four fields or eight fields. Some have, you know, 12 fields. Um, this park has 31 softball fields in one park. So in um, 2010, that was the first time since the mid 80s that the Gay Softball World Series could be hosted in one park. So that was something new that a lot of people had never experienced. Usually your, 
you're driving across town to another, maybe a suburb or maybe another city to a park um, to see your friends play or people from your same city. Um, so this really just like everybody fell in love with Columbus for the first time. Um, and it really, it, a lot of people, it was their first time here, you know, and the comments that we got back are, everybody's so friendly. It's so welcoming. It's so that everybody kind of fell in love and then it was, okay, now when are you doing it again? You know, right. so we were, we were quickly like pushed to, okay, let's, um, let's step up and probably try to do this another time. Uh, cause it's a, it's a lengthy process. You bid to host the event, kind of like the, the Olympics, I guess you actually have to, um, put a bid together and, you know, present in front of all the other cities and they vote, wow. you know, so it's a, it's a competitive process. Um, and we've done very well with that. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's unique and different and they love coming here, but you know, to host in 2010, the process started in late 2007, early 2008. No kidding. Wow. And then it goes into the f next year when you really finally wrap up. So it's a, it's a three to four year process to put the whole thing together. Right. And then to do that so many times back to back. Yes. I mean, it's a testament to exactly as you described why Columbus is the perfect place for it, right? It, it was. Um, you know, and one unique thing that we really had here is, uh, um, and I don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast, is um, the Greater Columbus Sports Commission um, is really an asset to the city here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we met with them in 2008 and they were part of our bid process. So no sports commission had ever been part of a an organization bidding for the Gay Softball World Series. Really? So this was very new. And Linda Logan, who's the, I believe she's the CEO now of the Greater Columbus Sports Commission, from the beginning was so open, so supportive. They have, they have been the best asset for our organization to really bring sporting events. And you know we've been on the, um, the top 10 of their highest um, grossing sporting events for bringing revenue into the city oh, nice. um, for years. Wow. And, and, you know, we're being put up with things like, you know, the, the women's final four and large sporting events. And our event really falls in line um, with all of those things. So she really helped us put ourselves on the map in the city um, and then has continued to work with the city and the county to help create funding because it's not cheap to host this event. Sure. And she's been at the forefront and her whole group um, to help us improve it each year. Right. That's amazing. And I think too, like, I mean, when you think of sports in Columbus, obviously the first thing that comes to everyone's mind is football, football. <laughs> Ohio State football, right? And I think it's cool to be able to, you know, showcase sports in Columbus from like a non-OSU perspective, right? I don't know if this is going to get me like pamphlet or whatever for saying that, right? We, we still love the Buckeyes, but yes. you know, we also love the crew and we love, you know, the Blue Jackets. So, you know, we have some other favorites in there, but yeah, it's, you know, everybody thinks of football in Columbus. Exactly. Right. So when you're talking, I mean, obviously this event brings in so many people, right? How, like who can be involved in this, right? At what age ranges, what gender identity i mean like who who is welcome on these teams yeah so um naga is an open division um softball organization uh, and really what that means it, it can be any grouping of people um you're not you know it could be all female it could be all male it can be any mixture you, you could have you know a trans team you know every player is trans on that team or any combination of those groupings so it's it's really open to who you want to form as a team 
Uh, and then it's broken down into skill levels. Mm -hmm. So there are seven different divisions that they break down. You know, the highest division, uh, which is A, um, you know, some of the best teams. Um, there are only nine or 10 of those across the country. Wow. So those are, those are like elite softball players, really fun to watch. Um, but it goes down to an E division, which is really your beginner. Sure. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that play in the E division that they might go to the Gay Softball World Series and it's the first time ever playing in a tournament like that. Right. Um, they just learned, they went out and, you know, they found uh, a softball league, like uh, locally here, we have the Columbus Lesbian and Gay Softball Association. Okay. Um, and we get to send so many teams to the Softball World Series. And so they may have found a team there, found that grouping of people, and then went to play in the Gay Softball World Series or there's, you know, there's a tournament in almost every city across the country that you can play throughout the year. Sure. You know, so there's, um, there's a big one coming up in Las Vegas in January. Um, so that's one that a lot of teams from Columbus go because you want to get out of winter and go sure. somewhere warmer. <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah, so there's ways that you could get involved here locally and then it's kind of like you get out of it what you put into it in a way or like you yes. kind of make of it what you want. You could go to all of these bigger events or you could just play locally. Is that my understanding? Exactly. Yeah. You, you can make it just, you know, you want to play on the weekends, very recreational, very casual, or you can become, you know, more competitive with it and want to go out and experience these other tournaments and other things. Um, you know, for, for most it's 18 and over, um, but we do allow um, younger individuals with uh, a parent or guardian to sign off on a waiver. Um, we have some younger people that have started to learn and play as well. Oh, great. You know, so they might have a parent or um, a guardian that plays. And so we have some um, mother-daughter teams, mother-son team that are on the same team. So it's really neat That's to see cool. that that happen um, and sometimes it might be a gay parent uh, with a child playing uh -huh. or the opposite and so that it's just really nice to see when they they kind of come out and experience those things together right and why is it you know we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier but like why is it so important to have this sports league that's truly dedicated to this like inclusive environment specific to folks in the lgbtq community you know i, I think when you when you look at how these leagues started you know, most leagues, you know, Naga started in 78. Uh, locally, Columbus, we started in 86. You know, there, there were individuals that wanted to go out and do something. Um, but at that time, you know, they were, they were really hiding. You know, you weren't in the forefront that you see things now. And um, they, were, they started playing in uh, a, a straight league, you know, as you would say, um, and beating some of the teams. But, you know, that came with its own comments and its own, really? you know, challenges. Um, so they really created our league now, um, but they were pushed to the back of Berliner Park. The, the mm -hmm. city really worked with them, but you know they were known as the league that played in the back. Wow. Um, and it, it is interesting to, to hear the beginnings of you know basically being hidden um, and the stories that go around everything with being in the back. Um, there's an interesting story about, uh, it was during a lot of the uh, HIV AIDS crisis mm -hmm. Um, and there were people who, you know, passed away, families didn't claim them. Um, I, I know one that was, uh, his ashes were actually buried under the pitcher's mound on one of the fields. Wow. And there's a couple trees in the back on the very back fields that were planted by the league uh, in memory of some of those individuals. So there's, there's a little history in the back of how it started. But now when you see it, the Gay Softball World Series and how the league has grown, 
you know, when we host it, we take over the entire park. So we've, we've really grown from the back of the park being hidden to being in the forefront. Um, and with the 2021 Gay Softball World Series, if you drove High Street at all, uh, the banners along High Street all had the logo, the name, and the, the sky bridge that connects the Hilton to the convention center actually had the event logo um, on the sky bridge for that week. Wow. So we really took it from hiding to like, okay, we're gonna be in your face. You know, right. we're gonna really put it out there and um, it was great. That's that's incredible. Oh my gosh, the story of the, the ashes and the trees and all that too, I mean, that's just there's remarkable. And there are, there's several stories like that, you know, it's um, to how it started. And that's why I think the, the history of the leagues, um, we don't really tell enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important to kind of know, know how we got where we are. Right, absolutely. And I especially think it's so relevant even today because as I'm sure you're aware, as I'm sure our listeners are aware, there are so many bills across the country and including here in Ohio that are seeking to ban transgender athletes, specifically trans women and girls from competing in K-12 sports. And it just goes to show, you know, as you described, you know, back decades ago, people had to play in the back of the fields, kind of tucked away, right? Yes. And even today in 2023, people are expected to, you know, hide their identities and, you know, not be their true selves when they're playing the sport that brings them so much joy, right? Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's so tough because, you know, in, in some parts, we feel like we've made so much progress. But every, you know, few steps forward, you know, we take a few steps back because, you know, we, we need to take everybody along with us on this journey and if we don't all get there then we all need to back up and and you know you know stand up for them until they get the recognition they deserve and are able to really participate how they want to absolutely and i appreciate that you know the um, organization has you know renamed itself to emphasize like this is a pride softball league this is not just for gay people this is for everybody under that spectrum yes so that's that's great yeah that, that that's a very important piece of i think how even the organization is growing going forward. Um, you know, it's, it's the US and Canada, but they added international because it's really starting to pick up interest from Mexico and from the UK. And, mm -hmm. you know, so there's, there's other countries now that are wanting to be a part of, you know, this overall event because it is so welcoming. That's awesome. Well, I know for um, swimming, ha, every episode somehow ties <laughs> back to that. Um, I have, uh, you know, practiced with a queer and trans um, swim team here in Columbus, the Ohio Splash. And yeah. so I know that they have um, IGLA, the International Gay and Lesbian Aquatics event that happens, you know, worldwide this past, or this past summer, yeah, it was in London. I know it's been in Palm Springs, it's, it's been everywhere. Yeah. And so um, it, it's cool to see how like, you know, whether it's softball or swimming, or I know there's a number of other sports too, like yeah. you can meet people around the world through these athletics. Yeah, I mean, sports in Columbus and, and especially, you know, gay sports, gay queer sports in Columbus are, you know, you, you have NAGVA, um, which is the, the volleyball league. Um, you know, softball and volleyball were, were two large leagues for a while. Um, there's a lot of bowling leagues and, you know, they run, you know, some of those are long, some of them are shorter. Um, but within the last, I, I don't know the exact year, but four or five years, uh, Stonewall Sports entered Columbus um, and really started kickball at that point. So the kickball league has grown significantly um, and Stonewall Sports has added um, dodgeball, there's cornhole, there's darts. So there's under their umbrella, they're doing multiple sports. 
Um, they're actually looking at pickleball. Pickleball is becoming the new, uh, I'm, I love pickleball, so I'm you know, waiting for that one to start up. But um, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for, you know, if, if you don't know how to play softball, you don't know how to play volleyball, and you, you want to go out and learn some other sport, there's a lot of organizations out there that you can be a part of. Right, and it's like a low pressure situation, right? Like yes. if I in high school were to just up and take up volleyball, right? I, there's no chance I would have made the team, right? And that's not to say I wouldn't have hit the ball a couple times, right? right. But like now as an adult to know that I could join a league like this and everyone's like, here, we're gonna learn together, yes. right? Yeah, you know, what you find is, you know, the beginners, um, you're really teamed up with other beginners or people who, you know, are really putting those teams together and teaching them how to play. Um, you know, there are some teams that just come out and play their games and they don't practice or anything throughout the week. They don't do anything else. Uh, there are other teams that you will see them out two or three days a week as a group practicing, learning the game, you know, really putting some effort into, you know, making it more of what they want it to be. Right. Um, so you can really find your own place there. It's a, that's why it's, it's just so relaxed and easy um, that it becomes fun. You can make it competitive or you can just go out and have a good time. Right. Yeah, that's I think so much of the pressure of sports when you're like, you know, in high school, college, it's because it's competitive and you have to make it to states and you have to compete at this next level. Right. Right. And you can't just do the game because it's fun. And so I think taking some of that pressure off and knowing that you can compete if you want to, but also you could just go and kind of like, you know, goof off on the sidelines if you want to. And that's if that's your participation or, you know, whatever, like, right, there's a place for you. It's great. Yeah, the, it's, it's so many opportunities. And even some of the divisions, we even have a 50 and older division. Oh, right. Um, so, you know, at the Gay Softball World Series, uh, it's called the Legends Division now. So they have their own grouping. Um, so they're really trying to make it where everybody kind of fits somewhere and can participate in some way um, based on their skill level. That's awesome. So one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you on today was to talk a little bit about the uh, new program that KYC has started in partnership with with you and the Gay Softball World Series and you know hosted in Columbus, right? Um, we'll get into that here in a second. But first, the the KYC Sports Equity Fund is this new program that we are just launching, where young people who are involved in K twelve sports or maybe it's sports through you know a club team, YMCA, whatever it is. We all know as participants in sports that this can be costly, right? You know, we want it to be as inclusive as possible, but we also know you, there's fees associated with it, whether it's for uniforms or equipment or just general participation fees. Yeah. And the Sports Equity Fund is a program that is going to allow young people to, you know, request funding from KYC if they need like a scholarship to go toward paying for their uniform or whatever. And our hope is that we can reduce those barriers to allow as many people to participate in sports as possible. Um, but this program wouldn't be possible without you. And so could you tell us a little bit more about, you know, how this is coming to be? Yeah, you know, it, um, each year of the Gay Softball World Series, there's always a fundraising element for the local city. Um, so, you know, each year we've hosted, we've, we've given donations to KYC, um, to Stonewall, you know, there's, there's just been, you know, several organizations that we've really tried to help. Um, with that, it's, you know, we really looked at um, 2021 and said, you know, what are, what are we really trying to do here? Um, you know, with the event itself, we, we tried to really make it the most diverse, open, inclusive event as far as our entertainment and our events. And, um, you know, we really tried to open up, you know, to, to everyone and we tried to hit every demographic that we could 
um, with our events. Um, you know, even with having Kim Petras as a headliner at the end, um, you know, was a big highlight for us. So we were very excited there. <laughs> sure. You know, so so with that, um, when our fundraising and our, was it going very well, um, we made our regular donations, but we found we had um, some additional funding that we wanted to do something with. So we really went back and said, you know, what what's something unique and different? What's something that can leave a little lasting element of the event being here in Columbus? Um, and that's when we kind of, you know, brainstormed and came up with this idea of, you know, could we, you know, in some way, you know, offer this to youth that might need assistance? So then it was like, okay, now how do we do it? Um, and I think I, I reached out to Cliff Mason yeah. um, and uh, we, we talked about it and, you know, KYC seemed to be the natural fit, um, you know, because in our minds it was, we don't want opportunity and access to be a challenge for someone to not be able to participate, you know, because with sports, you, you, you know, as I kind of mentioned, you find your, you know, kind of like your chosen family or this new grouping where you might not have thought you fit in, but then you find a place. So we thought by giving them, you know, not letting funding be that barrier mm -hmm. that we could try to help a little to start that process and let them uh, continue to participate. Absolutely. Well, because we know like there are so many young people who are working jobs in high school just to like, you know, help make ends meet when they're in high school, too. And so then to have to worry about how am I going to pay for my sports? How am I going to pay for my next like training classes, whatever it is relating to athletics? Right. It's just creating those additional barriers. So to take one of those worries away to make them a little bit more free to play these sports. That's I mean, that's huge. I can think about how helpful that would have been when I was in high school as well. Yeah. And, and you know, our, our how our donation from this originally, you know, this was we're hoping this is the start. Mm -hmm. You know, we're really wanting this fund to be, you know, kind of like embraced by, you know, some of the other local Columbus sports leagues and individuals who, you know, maybe they'll make a donation to KYC, but maybe they'll make a small donation into the sports equity fund as well. Right. You know, so there's going to be that opportunity that we can keep this going and, and really grow it into a program that I, I actually think is is unique. And I don't know of any other across the country that have started anyone else that started this. So I think KYC and us kind of helping start this process is a, you know, a, a big step forward for Columbus. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially, as we said, during a time when, you know, trans youth are under attack for, you know, just wanting to play sports. And, and that's, you know, only going to impact, you know, other queer folks, right? It's going to keep pushing people to the back of the softball fields. And so removing whatever barriers we can to ensure that people know that they do have a place on the field, they do have a place in the pool, they do have a place on the court, right? Yeah. It's, it's only going to, right? Because like you, you talk about, you're being part of a team. Sure, you're getting those athletic benefits. You're, you know, exercising, you're staying in shape, whatever. But also you're learning what it's like to be part of a team. You're learning what it's like to win and lose and to help out your teammates and cheer someone else on and recover from a loss. And those skills only help down the line when you're in your first job and you're trying, you know, working through those, you know, struggles as well, too. So this is only going to, you know, open doors for people so much further. Down yeah, there, there, there's so many life skills that can be built just through participating in some type of sport. Um, you know, and some of the sports are, you know, they may be individual, swimming, you know, you might, it's your competition in that lane. Right. But then other sports like softball, there's, you know, 10 people on the field and 12 people batting. And, you know, so you're a group of people and you have to learn to work with 
all of those different personalities. And that only goes like that goes so far in the workforce and in like real life when you have to, you know, jump into that next. And those skills will help everyone. Right. And talking about, you know, starting that foundation so early on to know that, you know, when I'm stressed, I'm going to go for a run or when I'm, you know, feeling anxious, I'm going to go hang out with my teammates. You know, having that foundation early on only means that later on in life, folks are going to be more inclined to turn toward joining a team as opposed to just sitting on the couch or whatever. Right. And keeping that community alive moving forward. I mean, surrounding yourself with people is so important. It's something we all experienced during the pandemic, right? You know what it's like to be separated from your peers and teammates. And so anyway, to create these foundations and to, you know, extend them back to younger generations all the way up to, as you mentioned, folks who are 50 and above or whatever, like, yeah. And, and you really, you know, one thing I think you see on, on some of these softball teams is, you know, you, you might have someone in their 50s, you know, playing with someone in their early 20s or maybe their, you know, late teens. Mm-hmm. And the the interaction and the skills they actually learn from each other, yeah. which is a very unique thing because, you know, some people think, well, the, the younger people are only going to learn from the adults. No, it happens the other way yeah. all the time to watch that interaction and see how they build with each other is just a great act like it's so helpful for everyone involved right absolutely i i know for swimming you know there's so much technique that was considered to be the standard however many decades ago and now some things have changed and so that's something i found being part of some master swim teams is exactly that right somebody's like oh you know when i was in high school this is how i learned it and this is how we learned it now and we're learning from each other and just that intergenerational perspective is something we've talked about here on speaking queerly and i just think it's so important especially for queer friendships to be able to have you know friends of all ages all backgrounds and just know that there is you know that uniting factor yeah you know it, it it's it's fun because there's, there's a pickleball tournament as part of this las vegas um, sports tournament um and one of their divisions is a multi-generational oh, and it cool. you have to have someone 50 and over and you have to have someone below a certain age as well on the same team of two people oh. so that gives a unique um you know, something unique that I don't think I've really seen in many sports where they kind of put that right. as a specific requirement. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing some of those things take place. Right, right. Um, I, one thing I always bring up is when you're playing, say, soccer as a kid, you're separated by like, this is the boys team and this is the girls team and this is the eight and under league. And then you got 10 and unders, and then you got 11 and unders, right? You have different genders and age separation right um with something like swimming we don't have enough pools in the world to say this is just the practice for eight and under boys right or you know 11 and over girls and so everybody is in the pool at the same time and i think back to when i was younger and how I looked up to the older kids and how when I was an older kid, how I could be that mentor for the younger swimmers. And that's only a finite age demographic too, right? Five to 18 or whatever. Right. And so to think of how much you can learn and just know that your involvement in this sport can continue on for so much longer than just high school, yeah. right? That's you, profound. You, you, can, you can make these sports part of your entire life. You know, there, there are people that are still in their 70s and they're still playing, you know, gay softball and on softball teams you know so it's nice to see that they they also still have that opportunity to kind of be out there and be involved and um you know i I hope to continue to play for a while that's awesome (laughs) well if there is somebody listening right now of any age of any ability level right who wants to get involved playing softball here in columbus what's the first step they can take um you know you can we're on uh 
the Columbus Lesbian and Gay Softball Association is on you know, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I think if you just Google that, you'll find the website. Uh, I believe it's www.clgsa.org. Um, and you can find lots of information there about the league. Um, there's two seasons. There's a summer season that's a little longer. Um, then there's a fall season, and that's five or six weeks that actually just wrapped up last week. Mm. Um, so that's one great place. Um, if you're not in Columbus, um, you know, International Pride Softball, you could Google, um, and you could find one of the other um, cities across the U.S. Um, you know, locally, we have Cincinnati and Louisville and Indianapolis, but it goes, you know, Toronto to L.A. to Las Vegas to Fort Lauderdale, um, New Orleans. There's um, Sioux Falls, Idaho. So there's, there's a lot of cities that you might not even think of that, you know, have sports leagues and gay sports leagues that, you know, are opportunities, but people just don't know about them. Right. Like, and, and I'm sure you can look on Stonewall, you know, for Stonewall Sports Stone. on Stonewall's website as well. Yes. Um, and if these opportunities don't exist, like let's say, right, pickleball or badminton or any other sport that is out there that maybe doesn't have a team, you can start one too, I'm sure. You know, Correct. All you need is a group of people who are interested in playing the sport as well. Yeah. And I think you, I think what you'll find is that there's a lot of opportunity there now. You know, pickleball, we, we touched on briefly. Pickleball is going to start at some point. Um, there's just a lack of courts across cities right now. That, that's what they're trying to figure out is, you know, how do we fit in? And then there will be a, a, a queer pickleball league that falls either under Stonewall, under itself. Um, it will end up somewhere. But there's a lot of different sports out there. There's, a, there's even a climbing um, oh, league yeah. that they actually go, you know, climbing. And there's gaming. And, you know, there's, there's so many different things that... Um, you don't think of as just, you know, an athletic, like it's not like sport, sport out on a field. There's other opportunities. Um, and really, uh, all of those groups, they've been getting together, I think once a quarter to really share their within themselves, like, here's what we all have going on. So we've kind of created this, um, sports community, um, to really try to help each other now. Right. Um, cause we're all, most of the same people play this that play that and they're, you know, you're in different places. So we're trying not to create things where people are overlapping and like, you can't do this because you want to do this. Right. Exactly. Like I know there's, um, like an LGBT hiking group as well. Right. right? You know, yes. climbing Columbus, all these things, as you said, that aren't, when you think of sports, you think of like a soccer ball and a baseball, right? All the ball sports, if you will. But yeah. there's so many other activities to be physically active, to be building that community when you're outside of a space like a bar or whatever, right? Yeah, and I think it's the LGBTQ outdoors. It's something like that on Facebook because um, yeah. I've actually gone on a couple of their hikes. They oh. try to do them monthly. Um, they're great. Jason Fallon is a person who organizes that here, and he's very involved in volleyball. Oh, so, you know, cool. there's a lot of cross crossing over of the different opportunities that are available. Amazing. Um, well, thank you so much for, for being on and thank you so, so much for thinking of KYC and wanting to you know, invest that time and that resource into our organization to help young folks play sports, get involved in athletics, be part of a team. Um, and if you are a young person who is interested in participating in sports, but you know, cost is a barrier, feel free to apply for a scholarship under the new Sports Equity Fund. Um, if you're wanting to learn more, you can always email mallory at kycohio.org. You can also visit, visit our website, kycohio.org, and you can find all this information and more about how to participate. Um, we're so excited to be able to get this off the ground, and we can't wait to see where it goes from here. Uh, th this has been a little dream. So um, 
that it's really kind of finally coming together. We hope this does give someone that opportunity or access that they maybe didn't have, you know, so that we're hoping to impact some lives with this um, and give people, you know, a little taste of sports that might carry through their life. Absolutely. So, very excited. And, and if you're somebody who is interested in, you know, giving back to KYC, this just is a perfect example of how like, you know, you can designate your money to go toward whatever at KYC, right? You can volunteer yep. your time, you could, um, uh, you know, donate items off our wish list, right? Or if you have this great idea for something that you think could benefit young people, you could create that as well. You know, you can you can connect with us and help create a program of your own like this. So yes. really is such a cool way of showing how giving is so much more than just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have five bucks come out of my checking account every every month or whatever, right? You, right. you can make an impact on people in yes. one way or another. So yeah. thank you so much for, thank for you. being here and talking sports with us and showing people how they can get involved. Yes, we're very excited. We hope it's helpful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Speaking Queerly. Like I said, if you have any questions, email mallory at kycohio.org. And this also goes for if you have ideas for things we can talk about on Speaking Queerly. If you have questions you want us to answer, send me an email and we'll absolutely do our best to, to cover that topic here. And if you're interested in making a donation to KYC to support all of our endeavors, you can visit kycohio.org slash donate.